this out. Okay, well, welcome to the, uh, what do we call this today? Oh, this is the Foundations Podcast. Hi, Pastor Paul. Hello, Steve. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, and we got the opportunity today to be at River of Life Church, church that I happen to pastor. That's a mm -hmm. blessing to me. And uh, we have an audience today, and so if you're listening to this podcast, uh, well, we're on Facebook as well here today. Yes, we are. We have Facebook. Our Facebook page has been getting a lot more uh, listeners, and there's been a lot of people just over the last week that have joined and liked the podcast uh, page. We want to make sure that we welcome you. If you're downloading and listening to this, welcome. We love having you. Tell somebody else about this and let us let them know so they can like the page too, and they can come and listen to these podcasts. And um, now, Pastor, what are we doing tonight? Well, what we're going to do is we're going to answer some questions. And by the way, these questions came from the River of Life members. Hmm. And so we're going to do our best to, to, to touch on them. We're not going to you know, get into them real deep, but we're going to try to spend a little bit of time with them. Yeah, you said something about a, a stopwatch tonight. And I've got it right here. You have it right yeah. here. Okay, good. Because if we ask a question, we could roll off on a tangent for a long period of time. And from there, we could, uh, well, we could take up the whole hour uh, with those. So, okay. So, okay. So, we have uh, sheets before us here, and there's some questions. Now, okay, I'm going to read the question here, and we can bounce this back and forth. The first one talks about, uh, okay, let me see. It says this. What are the biblical apocrypha books? And is it okay to read some of them? Okay. Well, okay. you know, this is a good question. Uh, most of, well, all of our English Bibles that we have today does not have this in them. If you would have been around in 1769 and had a King James Bible or before, you would have it in there. And when we talk about apocryphal books, we're talking about things like the Maccabees. We're talking even about the uh, Susanna, there's the, oh, what other? It's not Oh Susanna, is No, it? I, it's what oh, I thought okay. about the first time I ever saw it. Yeah. And uh, anyway, there, there's just different ones. The Book of Enoch is also mm -hmm. in that list. And, uh, and, and so the question is, well, is it, is it okay to read them? Well, the answer to that is yes, uh, because some of these end up in the New Testament, mm -hmm. uh, such as the Book of Enoch, it ends up in Jude. <laughs> Yeah. In fact, he quotes directly from, uh, I believe, Enoch, uh, 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 I think it's verse 9. Verse 9, I believe it was. Uh, anyway, yeah. and, mm -hmm. and so that part. Now, someone says, well, doesn't that make all of the book of Enoch then theonostos? In other words, God reads scripture. Well, no, not really. Mm -hmm. uh, Paul, in Acts 17, quoted from a, a poet. 
yes. uh, on Mars Hill when he was uh, giving his defense of the gospel. That doesn't mean that everything that poet wrote was the Anastas, but it does mean at least that little part that we find in our Bible. Yeah, I believe in the Old Testament there was some references to mythology of, of the region too, as, as well as, as you were talking about that. Uh, so no, they did not. They, um, but what, what I want to, okay, first of all, what is an apocryphal book? Apocrypha, there, there's two things. First of all, you got the New Testament, the Old Testament. The apocrypha were books that were not deemed uh, appropriate or not what we would call the, like you said, the Anastas, or that would actually become a part of the Bible that we have today. Right. Okay. And we, we talked, you named a few names. Esdras was, was yeah. one, Ecclesiasticus. Uh, Book of Wisdom. Book of Wisdom and all that. We have, there's like about 12 or so there. Then there's what they call a pseudepigrapha. And pseudepigrapha were more Older Testament type of books. Um, I remember back from my old Hebrew days um, that, that were not included as well. Now, who made... Who made the decision of what books should be in the Bible? And, and that is the uh, issue of controversy that, well, still people are very confused about it. Mm -hmm. uh, who determines what is canon? And that is the, 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 the question that, well, because the Orthodox Church has a little bit different canon than we do. Yeah. Uh, the Catholic Church has a little bit different of a, of a canon. They do. And so basically you had numerous... Um, uh, councils, uh, wow, okay. especially if we're talking about the New Testament, uh, the Nicene Council. Nicene Council. They kind of give their stamp of approval. Yeah, that's there. all they did. They just yeah. basically said, what What are the churches using? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, what what is, the, and by the way, uh, when we talk about canon, there were some uh, books that we have in our Bible now that took a little while to get in there for a recognition, uh, you know, for an acceptable canon. Yeah. And one of them was Second Peter. Mm -hmm. One of them was Jude. One James. And Revelation, I think, was the tail end of all of it. Yeah. And and you know, and I don't have a problem with that. And the reason why is uh, you you want to make sure that what you have is what John wrote. Yes. And uh, and there was some question about that early on. And uh, because you don't want a you don't want a bunch of books with a bunch of dragons and all kinds of stuff in there that <laughs> you you know what I mean if it's not what John wrote and, uh, and 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 so you know no one actually made a canon but what it was it was a recognition and, and part of what was what the, the 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 bottom line was did an apostle write it. Did an associate of an apostle write it? Mm -hmm. uh, can we verify that this is not contradicting what we know to be scripture? Yeah, uh, and uh, and so those were those were uh, you know matters of consideration. Okay, and I believe if if I'm not mistaken, what I but what I had researched and read was that between the years 200 B.C. Mm -hmm. Now understand, here's zero, right? You got 200 BC, and then you got 200 AD. Between those, that 400-year span was when uh, the they were actually brought together as the Bible. Uh, well, first it was the Pentateuch. Now, what the Pentateuch is is what the first five yes. books of the yes. Bible, which Moses wrote. 
what is that? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Ah, I remember. Okay. And then the, the next were the prophets that came in. And then I think finally in the A.D. were the writings. And I think that those were some from Paul or that? Or what was the one? Well, I mean, you also had uh, in the Old Testament, you had the issue of the history. Yes. You know, and uh, all through there that were brought in, the Psalms were, were, were accepted. But then, in the yeah, your, your biggest, you know, things that were considered canon were the four Gospels. There was pretty much, you know, a unified issue on that in the church okay early on and and then you go into the 13 letters of paul mm -hmm. some people had a little problem with hebrews but it made it in <laughs> okay uh but but there was no question about that and one of the reasons why is because paul's letters were so widely distributed everywhere yeah that there was no question about those okay all right now the second half of this question here let's uh, i'm sure we're getting towards our our ding ding here is it okay to read some of them? Yes, I, you know, uh, and one of the reasons why, let's just use the book of Enoch. This is a good example. I do not believe that the book of Enoch is scripture, but what I do believe is that it gives me an insight into the New Testament writers especially and, and what they were thinking because we know they had access to it. They read it. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so when you're reading uh, issues in Genesis 6, or you're reading issues in, in Second Peter, where he begins to talk about some of those things. Jude, um, and you know, talk about the angels that sin, Sodom and Gomorrah, and uh, and all of that is in Enoch, and you yes. can see the influence of it in in their writing. Now, and it's just like for you, you have certain things you may read. You may have certain things that that, that are factors in your life that affect yeah. you in your presentation of the gospel. And so, you know, it's not wrong to read them. Just give an understanding. You're, this is not the Bible. Yeah. And that. It, yeah, and I think I think that's that. the key. Is that you can read something as long as you mentally can understand, and you already understand this is not canon. This is not the Bible or what we call the Anastas, the Word of God. But it is something that was related. Uh, many people read like Josephus and, and now that in history. I think yeah, we'll yeah. Now that's that. not an, uh, one of those kind of books, but yeah. But that is, in fact, a lot of the history we have in church history, early history, mm -hmm. is from Josephus. If we didn't have Josephus, we wouldn't have a clue what was going on. That's true. All righty, all righty. Let's move on. I think we've uh, we've gotten close to the uh, ten minutes there. Okay. The second question here is what is the purpose for Jewish leaders to wear scriptures in little boxes on their foreheads? I'm going to let you handle that. Oh, you want me to handle yeah, this I'm one? Let you handle that. Okay, and what I want to do is I want to go get a hold of the uh, the actual verses. Yeah, that would be Exodus 13. Is Exodus 13? Okay, let yeah. me see. Philactrophies. Now, what, what they, what they uh, call these things, these little boxes that they the priests and all that and Jewish leaders what they do is they would attach them they would have them forward on their head and in those would be uh, papers on thank you on um, there would be four different uh, Bible scripture verses and um, and they would be on their uh, forehead and in their left arm on their left arm yeah and what they would do is they had these four scripture verses 
in them, and that's that's how I mean that's what they did. That's what they they wore them on there. Now um, let, let's take a look at uh, that. What they call them was a teflon, teflon, or else well, that we call what we know them as phylactery. What a phylactery is uh, is is what this is. Now sometimes called teflon. They're small square leather boxes containing portions of scripture worn by conservative and orthodox Jews during prayer services. So when they're praying, they're, they're wearing the boxes. Uh, they're, they're worn in pairs. One phylactery is uh, strapped to the left arm, the other is strapped to the forehead. And uh, during the weekday morning prayers, the, world, uh, the word phylactery comes from a Greek word meaning safeguard, protection, or amulet. Now, um, uh, okay, so, so this is what they're doing. And then the, there was, uh, I want, what I'd like to do is take a look at the verses here. Exodus 13, 1 to 10. Let's do that real quick here. Exodus 13, 1 to 10. Man, this thing has a lot of maps in it. Okay, let me get there. I'll look at the Matthew. Yeah, why don't you look at the, uh, that other one? Okay. All righty. Exodus 13, 1 to 10. Okay. My word. Okay, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn, Whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, it is mine. And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which ye came out from Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of hand the Lord brought you out from this place. There shall no leavened bread be eaten. This day came ye out into the, uh, in the month Abib. And it shall be when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, uh, Hivites, Jebusites, which he sware unto thy fathers to give thee a land flowing with milk and honey, that thou shalt keep the, this service in this month. Seven days thou shalt eat unleavened bread, and in the seventh they shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days, and there shall no leavened bread be, uh, be seen with thee, neither shall there be leaven seen with thee in all thy quarters. Uh, and, okay, I'm going to go ahead and stop right there. What I want, want to do for the sake of reading, this is a lot of scripture, by the way. And let's, let, uh, the, the four verses, 13, 1 to 10. You got 11 to uh, 13, 11 to 16. Then you have Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9, and 11, 13 to 21. And yeah, and with a, a reminder, that's, you know. It's a reminder of where did. they came from and the whole Jewish history. But it also uh, took upon a different form. In other words, it became almost a tradition that went far beyond it. And Jesus actually addressed it over here in Matthew uh, 23. Mm -hmm. And let me just read it. It yeah, says, then Jesus spoke to the crowds and the disciples saying, the scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. 
Therefore, all that they tell you do, all that they tell you do and observe, but do not do according mm-hmm. to their deeds. Uh, for they say things that and, and do not do them. They tie up heavy burdens. They lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much a finger. But they do all these deeds to be noticed by men, for they broaden their phylacteries. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, they broaden their phylacteries. And they lengthen the tassels of their garments and they love the place of honor at the banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues and anyway uh, basically called them hypocrites yeah, yeah. That, that, that's right when they were when I saw the word phylactery that that's what came to mind and Jesus actually getting after them for all of that but it was used during the uh, the prayer service and that when there were scriptures and, the, and all that and you know what pastor it, it reminded me of the Wailing Wall. How many of y'all have heard about the Wailing Wall? Okay, how many, has anybody here been in the an audience, or in, in the congregation today, been to Israel? Anybody been to Israel? No? Yes, maybe? But you know what the Wailing Wall is. What is the Wailing Wall? It is a place, it's a wall in Jerusalem where the people, the, the Jewish people will come and they will pray. And and uh, and that's that's where they do and uh, and they do their prayer. Now I had had a funny little story of what happened. I was over in Israel, 1985. I was in college, and um, when I was in college there, we went over for about two and a half months. We did an archaeological dig. We were able to tour all that. And I tell you what, I've never been to so many museums in one period of time in all my life. We were tired of it by the time it was over. Uh, with all the museums, I mean, museum, 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 anyway. But what we, one of the evenings we were there in Jerusalem, and we were up at the, over there by the, uh, the Wailing Wall. And what they do there is they have a bunch of lights uh, uh, shining on the Wailing Wall. And the people, uh, if you look on the wall, there are little cracks in the bricks. And what people would do is they would wrap up their prayers. They would have prayers written. They would wrap them up and they would stick them in, in, the, uh, in the cracks in the wall there. And so I had, I had a guy that, well, I was one of the students that was traveling with us. I, I, I couldn't believe that he did this. Anyway, well, during the time we were up there just kind of looking down, and all of a sudden he had gone down there to the whaling mall, and he came back up. He said, hey, Steve, look what I found. Look what I got. And I'm over here going, what? That was one of the pieces of paper that somebody had stuck in the wall. And I'm over there going, you go take that thing back. That's somebody's prayer. And I'm over here going, I could not believe this guy was doing this. Anyway, but the thing is, is that uh, they, the Jewish people take that very seriously. I mean, and that, that was, they were bringing their, uh, their prayers <laughs> to God there, and uh, he was over there pulling it out. I, maybe he thought it was a souvenir. I don't know. But that, I don't know that, that, that I'd do that. But anyway. Okay, so, okay, so that was Jewish tradition. Let's move on to number three here. If a person has never read the Bible, which books should they start with? Well, I mean, I guess if they have had no exposure to church, they've never, I mean, let's just assume someone's never been to Sunday school, they've never, ever been. I, I would recommend 
you know them to have a certain pattern or a, a way to start. Okay. I, I would I would probably start with the the Book of Mark. It's easier to read mm -hmm. uh, about the life of Jesus. I mean, I'm assuming that we you know this person has accepted Christ and they you know they've been truly saved. And then what I would do is I would graduate them into possibly reading the Book of Acts and then start on some of Paul's letters on yeah. some of the small ones. And then I would jump and say, hey, why don't you try Genesis? You know? Yeah, Gen well, Gen Genesis is the account of creation and all that. Uh, the, in the Old Testament, I think that would be a really good book. Um, uh, another, okay, what about Psalms? What do we think about Psalms? Psalms is a very emotive book. Yeah, but, it, 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 the, the, the problem with the Psalms is until you have a really good foundation, there are some, I may not be pronouncing this right, in predatory Psalms. Okay. So it's kill them all, you know what I mean? And, uh, and, and I'm not saying that's not Theonostos, but that's not how God wants you and I to operate yeah. in the New Testament. Our Bible tells us very clearly that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, mm -hmm. but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness, and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. David wrestled with flesh and blood he did okay so it's a it, that's a that's a distinction that some people still today can't understand yeah well yeah well i think isn't it psalm 52 is it 52 that is david's prayer of repentance no 51 51 okay yeah, i knew it was in the 50s um and but the psalms also has 150 chapters so that's a long drive you know um uh, Job. Now, Job is is a book. If you really want to understand about loss and actually having a good foundation, you can read Job. Why do you think that? Well, the thing with Job is is that Job lost everything. I mean, he lost it all, and he had, he was surrounded by. A bunch of people he had friends that were just trying to figure out what sin that he committed that caused all of this badness to happen to him and he had a wife that was telling him to go curse God and die yet in all of this and through all of it Job did not sin he did not curse God and he held on through all of his affliction and I think last, it was last night I asked a question. I said, well, I talked about that if there is one thing or anything that can happen to you where you're going to lose you, that you're going to get so bad and, and all that, that you're going to turn your back on God, that there is a foundation crack. There is something wrong with your foundation. And any of us, me too, if there's something that... And there's something wrong with the foundation. And Job, I think, is a good book if you really want to understand loss and holding on to God. Yeah. What, um, what about Revelation? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I think about, in fact, the next question we have is going to deal with eschatology. But, uh, you know, when I think about Paul and he goes to Thessalonica, uh -uh. and I think he's there three weeks if, I, if I've got my weeks right there. It's the shortest stay ever was anywhere. Yeah, um, and, um, and and he writes two letters, First and Second Thessalonians. Okay. And interesting enough, what does he deal with him about? 
things concerning eschatology, eschatology and the time. study of end times. He deals with them about the man of sin, the restrainer. And the second one, he deals with the rapture. That's where we get the rapture of the church in First Thessalonians chapter four. And I mean, yeah. so what I find fascinating is that he had three weeks for them, and what did he spend a lot of time on? Eschatology. Yeah. And I've, I've literally had people say, well, you know, there's people don't need to hear about that all the time. Apparently, Paul thought differently about it. Well, if, if I'm reading Revelation and I'm reading about a dragon here, I'm reading about frogs being coming out of the mouth of, <laughs> and, and these type of things that are very visual in Revelation, and I'm a newborn Christian, how do you, how well, does I that think, affect me? Well, I, you know, it just depends. It depends on how well you have your head screwed on. That's true. Uh, I mean, I, honestly, you know, I, I take the Bible literally okay. until it becomes just obvious that it's not. And obviously, it's not a dragon. It, he's talking about the devil. He's talking, the beast is not a beast. It's the Antichrist. Yes. You know, so, I mean, these are just, you know, just analogies to, to understand something. And, and, and if we believe uh, that John was seeing into our day, even some of the things that he describes, it, it would be kind of interesting. How could you de describe it in an Apache helicopter? Yeah. Uh, if you've never seen one, no. you know what I mean? I, you, mean, you, I don't you know would, what he saw. Yeah, you describe, <laughs> yeah, you'd describe it using he, what you he, understood. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So it looks like a giant, uh, what is it, a scorpion? There? No, it was a scorpion, I think he was, he was saying yeah, something yeah, about that. Yeah, it had something had a sting on it. And, sting on it? And I mean, I, who knows? Maybe that was something that he said came up from the abyss, so maybe it was something demonic. Uh, there is a, 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 at least a possibility, or he saw something that he couldn't, he didn't know how to describe. And it would be like if you, God showed you something that is a thousand years in the future. Let's just assume just for a minute that Jesus doesn't come back in our lifetime and anybody else's lifetime that you know. And let's, I mean, because if you were living in 1000 AD, you thought Jesus was coming then, all right? It's, it's 2022. Yeah. All right. So let's say that we're looking at the year 3000, or maybe we're looking at 3022. And, and God gave you a, a vision concerning the future. And let's assume that technology continues to advance. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't look like what you're used to looking at. And so what you would do is you would describe that with terms that you would have right now. And, and while saying that, I, I think most people, when they read Revelation, can understand that, oh, yeah, I get that, you know, okay. when we're reading. And there are some things that are literal that are bizarre. But, uh, you know, I believe in a supernatural God, and there's yes. a supernatural world out there. So I don't find that surprising. What about Romans? Romans is a good book. Uh, it, 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 it's Paul's greatest work mm -hmm. uh, as far as on the issue of justification and grace and um, and and we're going through it in my Sunday school class mm -hmm. it is fascinating uh, and what's more fascinating is when you walk through it verse by verse uh, the amount of light that comes to it uh, that is that is that has been fantastic I I tell you what I think I've enjoyed chapter three four and five more than anything else that I've, we've looked at so far yeah yeah now if I'm reading through the if I'm a new Christian I'm reading through the Gospels Okay, so I got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I'm going after that. I'm over here. Doesn't this stuff repeat itself? You know, as a, as a new Christian, you're going to look at that, and what, what you know, how are they to reconcile the Gospels? 
Well, once again, that's why they need to be a part of a church. Uh -huh. They, when they have questions, they need to be encouraged to, you know, to, to ask those questions. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and yeah, and you know, I, I realize I've been walking with God for a while, so I'm going to be kind of careful how I say this. <laughs> I believe what God said. I, yeah, that's my faith. I believe this is the honestos. And uh, and and I so I don't I don't question the nature of the character of God. I can read First Samuel chapter fifteen. It doesn't bother me. It looks like genocide, but it doesn't bother me. Mm -hmm. Why? Because if that's what God said, then that's what God said. And as I've told people in a way that they can all understand it, you can either accept what God said or you can fight against it. Jesus is either a rock Peter said that you build on, or he's a rock that you stumble over. And so part of the fear of God, and the, by the way, this is a concept in Romans 9. Yeah. He is the potter. Potters we potter. are the clay. And there's mm -hmm. questions that Paul asked in regard. By the way, that first concept came about in Jeremiah. Uh, but we'll get past that. Um, that is a truth right there. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I, I think that's one of the things we teach people. We teach people the fear of the Lord. It's the beginning yes. of wisdom. It's the beginning of knowledge. And, uh, and part of that is just to come to an understanding that no one understands everything. Mm -hmm. Paul said we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Yeah. I've come to the conclusion that I'll never understand everything, but I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. Okay, um, one last comment on this before we, we're gonna move on to the number four. But the book of Proverbs, you're going through, we're going through that on Wednesday nights right now, but. Uh, they used to say, and I've always heard, I've heard a lot, that Proverbs is good for young men. Yes. And but it's good for young ladies. Too. Of course. And to know that, you know, behave yourself, don't be running with the wrong crowd, don't be doing things that you shouldn't, and all that. But again, I think I'm going to reiterate one thing that you said, was that um, it is really important to be in church. Yes. To be a part of a church where if you have questions, you need to be able to bring them to your pastor, you know, that type of thing, and uh, also be in a Sunday school class so you can be learning, uh, learning the Word of God and, and furthering your uh, studies. Okay, here we go. If only those who believe Jesus get to heaven, which is true, uh, and they are all kings and princes and rulers. Who are they ruling over? That, that's a, to me, I was, I was so happy we got that question. Uh -huh. I really was. Because once again, we're dealing with eschatology, end time events. Okay. And, uh, and, uh, and both Steve and I and the, and the church here, we have a premillennial uh, belief system. Yes. And within that, we are pre-tribulation as far as rapture. Now, when I say we're pre-trib, I mean, we're not dogmatic about it. If you want to have a different opinion, you can. We sure. respect everybody's right to be wrong. Mm -hmm. And um, <laughs> but, but, but thinking in terms of that, let's just kind of get a little timeline so we can answer that question. First of all, the most immediate event we're waiting for is what we call the catching away, the rapture, rapture of, the of the church. church yeah. Uh, and uh, and that is when God, uh, Jesus is going to come back, a trumpet's going to sound, the dead in Christ are going to rise first, and then we who are alive and remain, if it would happen right now, uh, we would go up and all our clothes would be left. 
I, I, I'm joking about that. You'd be shocked at how many people argue about that. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, uh, but but there's the rapture, and so let's let's assume that it happens tomorrow. That means that every born again believer, that's kind of an oxymoron there. Every believer uh, that that has faith in Christ, you're going to be caught up. Yes. You're going to be um, well. You're gonna you're gonna go to heaven with with everyone else that's there right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and what what's going to happen then is we're going to have a tribulation period. Daniel calls it a seventieth week. It's a seven year period, seven each years. week representing a year, mm-hmm. and uh, of the seventieth week, I should say. Or anyway, so so once you have the seven year tribulation, he also mentions that in the middle of the week, it's going to be uh, the abomination of the desolation. Yeah, that's Second Thessalonians chapter yeah. two. That's that event. Uh, the man of sin, he is going to proclaim himself God. By the way, he's going to go in the temple. There is no temple in Jerusalem right now. Yeah. So how long will it take for them to build it? Uh, could they build it right after the rapture? That's possible. I don't know. Okay. Uh, so you have the tribulation, and then that seven-year period, we get to what we call the second coming, or and that will be occurring at the same time of the battle of Armageddon. And that's when we all come back with Jesus, and uh, and he sets up his millennial kingdom here yeah. on the earth, which is a thousand years. So so what you're saying is that we well uh, about and I think you're referring to when he comes down with uh, with his saints and the horses and all yeah. that. We come down. In other words, we're not going to stay all that time in uh, no, all the, no. forever in heaven. Well, there's something else too. I mean, unless you're out in the Valley of Megiddo. Uh, and you're say in Georgetown, Texas, uh, and you're you're somehow or another you have lived and survived through the whole entire seven years. By the way, you will live past wormwood mm-hmm. in Revelation eight or a poisoning, yeah. <laughs> if that's what that is. Yeah. And uh, but but look, but there's going to be a lot of people that are not going to die. I mean, you understand. There's people right now in places in in Africa and uh-huh. in Australia. They don't even know who Jesus is. They won't know who the Antichrist is. So you know, there's going to be people who are going to survive this. Yeah. Well, we're all going to enter the millennium together. There will be two classes of people: those that have redeemed, glorified bodies, yes. and those who just have survived. Now, those people who survived, we know because there's at least indication in the Old Testament about this more than anything, mm-hmm. that people are going to have children. I mean, it's going yeah. to, I mean, think about it. Death, it's not that death will never happen. It will never happen to you if you have a glorified body. Yeah. But but death, violence won't be as bad. And so this earth is going to populate again. And, uh, and so you're going to get generations of people that will see me. I'll be teaching somewhere, maybe in Georgetown. And, and I'll be teaching, say, oh, sorry, guys, Jesus is calling. I'll see you later. I'm gone. Somebody said, how could that happen? Jesus could appear in a room and disappear. Yeah. Well, he had a glorified body. He had a glorified body. Now, all the people that survived the tribulation, that's going to be bizarre to them. But people who are born into that environment, that will be normal. At the end of that thousand years, the Bible says that Satan will be loosed. Okay. For a season to deceive the nations. How long is that season? Is it a thousand years? It is it ten thousand years? We don't know. Doesn't say. It's not going to affect you in your glorified body, but it is going to affect people who were born during that time. Yeah. 
So, you know, and then we, we get to a great battle that's called Gog and Magog, and, and then there's great white throne judgment. Mm -hmm. And after that, uh, there's, it, it, well, Peter deals with it. The earth is going to be refined by fire. Yeah, but after gonna, that happens, there's going to be a new heaven, heaven and a new earth. earth. And so who are we going to rule over or who are we going to have influence over? It'll be during the millennial reign of Christ. Yeah. We don't really know what's going to happen in the new heavens and the new earth. We don't have enough information in the Bible to know. Mm -hmm. But I know this, it'll be fantastic. Now, with, with all this that, you, that we've outlined here, what does the scripture say about ruling? I mean, does it tell us exactly what we're going to do? No. No. No, it doesn't. So, you know, this is this is one thing that uh, that I've always that I, you know, everybody likes to be clever, and everybody likes to act and to see that. Well, I know what's going on. I have an eye understanding, and I'm sure every pastor, every evangelist, every missionary, everyone who's uh, ministering Christ and all that wants other people to think and understand that they know what they're talking about. But the thing is, is that sometimes we have to say, this is, this is what we can put together. However, the Bible is not specific to say that. If the Bible says something specifically, you're gonna, you're, we're going to know it. But the thing is, is that, that this is one of the th things that we have to be very careful about. Very careful about. Because uh, if, if we start taking speculation and we start taking that and say that this is really the, uh, you know we start saying this is uh, uh, you know the doctrine that you need to follow then we could run into error well we might also mention that we have a whole group in Christendom that is millennial. yes and uh, and we're not going to get into all that but that is a whole different view of eschatology there mm -hmm. and uh, and I, I've studied it myself and personally it just doesn't make sense scripturally to me uh, and then there's not just pre-millennium there's post-millennial views or I, I, there's just so many different yeah, then so, I, that, that phrase that uh, every all these preachers I'm hearing saying well I'm pan-millennial it'll all pan out in the end That's about, <laughs> yeah, okay. and, and so we take a stand yeah. on being pre-millennial and also pre-trib Mm -hmm. And so the, 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 the series of events that we give you on a timeline are all in the Bible as it relates to what we're going to be doing all during yeah. this timeline. I didn't bring in the marriage supper of the Lamb. Mm -hmm. but, 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 I, but, but the point of it is we're going to be in some of these places. How we will rule as kings and princes, I don't know. Yeah. Well, and what we can take away from here is, first of all, we have to understand in the question uh, that we have to come to an understanding that we're not going to be floating on a cloud, playing the harp, uh, praising God for eternity in that format. That's not scriptural. The, what, what Pastor has been talking about is that we are going to be back down here for the millennial reign. We are going to be on the new heaven and on the new earth. So it's not all going to be all up in heaven, they're floating around. We're going to come back down. And yeah, and I guess, and the best, uh, you know, you take a look at it with the rulers is that, yeah, the best time that that would make sense. Would be in the millennium. Yes. But I don't millennium. know that. But not for 100% sure. No, no. But that's our best guess. But you see, and that's the thing is, is that we got, we got to watch. We, we, we can speculate. We can say things. But the thing is, if the Bible is not clear, 
then there's a reason why the Bible wasn't clear. Maybe God, you know, we'll have to experience that together when we get there. Okay, let's move on. We got number five here. Do the acts of the apostles still happen today? And can we do what they did? And the answer to that is yes. And why do I, why would I say that? Well, first of all, we do not hold, I do not, I'm going to put it that way, I do not hold to uh, the belief system of, uh, my mind just goes blank on what it would be, um, when you don't believe in the gifts, what's that called, Steve? Oh, when you don't believe in the yeah, gifts. Yeah, yeah. The, um... Well, let's move past it. Okay, we're not that. <laughs> I can't. I can't think of how to even say it. That's because I'm not tr that. Tr truly not. Not in the right frame of mind. Right? I was going to say that. No. But uh, but but why, but why would we say yes? Uh, well, first of all, there's no indication cessationism. Cessationism. Yes. Okay, yes. we are not those. In other words, we don't believe that when the apostles died that all of a sudden the gifts of, of, of the Spirit all went away. In other they words, went away, you know, everybody's saying you know, they're all in Ephesus and John is sick and, and he's dying. He's 97 years old getting the healing line because after this, it ain't working. Nobody <laughs> would have thought that. Okay, that is ridiculous. And I'm not trying to make fun of my Baptist friends. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yes, yes, of course these things should. And, and, and while the bedrock of it is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Yes. And, and, and by the way, we could also include 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14 in there. But what is Paul writing to the local church? And I want to make a big emphasis. It's a local church yes. uh, of Corinth. He's writing them about different gifts of the Spirit. And he lists nine different manifestations, everything from a word of wisdom to mm. uh, interpretation of tongues. There's yes. three, we kind of like to divide them into three revelation gifts, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. There are the gifts that reveal something. It's yeah. God revealing how he does it. And then there's gifts of, of power. Those are just, you know, just terms. Uh, that would be special faith. I call it special faith to distinguish it from saving faith. And, and so it's special faith, working of miracles and gifts of healings. Mm -hmm. And then there are vocal gifts that are prophecy, uh, various kinds of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. And, and these are all by the Spirit. He's the one that distributes them. He is the one that wills them to happen. And, uh, and so Paul wrote that to Corinthian believers. Might also mention that First Corinthians is a scathing letter of what not to do in the church. Oh yeah. Okay, <laughs> but he still wrote to him about it. Yes. And uh, and so when I when I read that, I if I look at you know first of all Paul wrote that I look at the Corinthian believers. There's nowhere in that context that anyone would have ever thought that these gifts would cease at some time. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, uh, and so if we even look into history, we've seen these gifts of the Spirit all the way through church history, even to our present day now. Uh, I, you know, I, I can only, I'll, I'll just relate to you just my own experience in this area. Uh, in 1984, I was at Southwestern Assembly of God, uh, it was college then, but anyway. Uh, and as I was coming out of a very boring chapel service, and I, I started to go down the stairs. I put my hand on the rail. And as soon as I did, I'm not thinking that God's going to speak to me. And I, and I realize this is odd, 
because it's subjective to you. I, so you don't have to believe me if you don't want to. But, but, but I, I sat there and, and, and the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and he said, I want to use you in the gifts of healings. Okay. Just like that, plural on gifts, plural on healings. I stopped. I knew it was God. I knew he had spoke to me. Well, I had never heard anybody say it like that. Okay. All right. So I went and got my my King James Bible, and and, and it don't it doesn't say gifts of healings there at all. <laughs> and uh, but I kept on reading down, and later they were called gifts of healings. Gifts of healing. and, and by the way, it is plural in the Greek in every place it's used in, in 1 Corinthians 12. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing I thought was, man, Jesus knows the Greek. You know, and, and, and you know, you're just stupid when you're young. Uh, and, and, and so that was fascinating. And, and so I'm not saying that that is proof that we have biblically, but I'm saying what Paul wrote to the Corinthians about, yeah. I'm seeing God do that in my life and probably you can see God doing that in your life. Now, that's not our proof for it. Our proof is scripture. And so my experience must match scripture. Yes. And if he was giving gifts of healings to the local body at Corinth, and he was giving words of, a word of knowledge or, or, or various kinds of tongues or whatever, then uh, I believe we should have an expectancy that God would do that today. Okay. Okay, let me, uh, let me take uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I remember I was, uh, one time I was sitting or standing, a friend had asked me to go to church in a certain <clears throat> uh, church uh, denomination, or, and they did not believe in uh, speaking in tongues or what have you, and so they pulled out this verse, and they, uh, they as possible proof or proof that it didn't happen anymore, it says, in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8, it says, Love never fails, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Yeah, and I could agree with that. The issue is, what is the perfect? Yeah. And uh, that is a matter of biblical interpretation. If you are a cessationist, you would say the perfect is when the canon of Scripture is complete. Well, the problem with that is when you go through the history, you're going to have a hard time putting your finger on that one. And the problem is you already have a difference in canon with the Greek Orthodox, the Catholics, and then the Protestant Church. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess, you know, it's kind of wild. The other one is the Isaiah passage is okay. quoted. I think it's Isaiah 11. And uh, some have said that because the temple was destroyed in AD 70, that that means that all the gifts of the Spirit ceased. ceased well, the only problem that time, is yeah. that, I guess in 1948, when Israel became a nation again, they all got reinstituted. Mm -hmm. Well, nobody's dumb enough to believe that, so no. why would you be dumb enough to believe they, the well, other? They just shut down for a time. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. You know, that's got nothing to do with it. Yeah, no. And so, and by the way, that passage in, in Isaiah doesn't have anything to do with the other no. of the destruction. Of, anyway, so I, but, but like I said, when you're stretching, and, when, and what I believe when you talk about the perfect is uh, if you believe that the perfect is the canon of Scripture, then that means knowledge has passed away. 
Well, has knowledge do, passed away? Do, has know. knowledge passed away? Well, there's a lot I, of I there's a lot I of don't think people out there that acknowledge. Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, stop and uh, think about that. When you read that text, there's no way the perfect can be the canon of scripture. Though the perfect is when you and I have glorified bodies. Yes. Yeah, I mean, th if this is the perfect, oh, I tell you what, we're we're in sad shape. So when that which is perfect has come, say we are in a glorified bodies, we're in heaven, or we're we're glorified bodies, whether we're in heaven or say back the millennial or what 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 that is, then there's not a necessity at that no. point for tongues and for for that. No, not not in not in that situation. No. And someone could argue, what about the millennial reign of Christ? Well, you're going to watch people pop in and pop out of their. I mean, that's. Yeah, that's right. not supernatural. You're going to be able, you can make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem and guess who you can see? Jesus. Mm -hmm. He's going to be reigning in Jerusalem. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, I, that's going to be a fascinating world. Let me see if I have enough time here. Yeah, I got three minutes. Okay. Mark chapter 16. Okay. And it says, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues. And they say, if they did drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. They shall lay hands on the sick, it goes on. Uh, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now, there are some Bibles that don't include yes. that scripture. Well, that, that's involved with textual criticism. Okay. And that sounds negative, but every translation that's ever been, I, it, we'll just start with the King James to just the, the, the updates on any other new ones that are out. Mm -hmm. Every one of them have to make choices, especially in the New Testament, about what they consider is the honestos. If we believe in a verbal plenary interpretation or inspiration, then we believe that wherever God put the words and whatever word order they were and everything is God breathed. Well, so yeah. when you say you have um, a whole bunch of manuscripts of Mark, uh, and and you don't, and, and some of them don't include the longer ending. By the way, there's three endings in Mark. There's a short one, there's a medium one, and there's a longer one. Um, and, uh, and and so then the the question is, which one did Mark write? You see, because the bottom line is, I want what Mark wrote. I don't yes. want what scribe had decided to add into it. Uh, now. There are two major variants in the that are twelve verses apiece in the New Testament. There's only two. Most most all the other ones are also insignificant. They're spelling differences. People couldn't spell back then, just like they can spell now. That okay. includes me. All right. Uh, thank God for word check and all that. All right. So, <laughs> but so so these twelve and what are they? They are the longer ending of Mark, and there is the uh, the woman called in adultery. Yeah. Now, now, before I disturb your poor minds and, and, and bother you a lot, I can't, I think the woman called the adultery is the best story about Jesus that, uh, you know, John didn't write. And uh, mm -hmm. why do I say that? Because there's textual evidence that it's been looking for a home for quite some time. It's in two different places. It's in manuscripts in, in Luke, the Gospel of Luke. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it was trying to find a home. I'm not even saying it didn't happen. It might have happened, but John didn't write it. I, I, I know that but from a historical evidence. Mm -hmm. That's textual criticism right there. Now, should it be banished from your Bible? No, I don't believe it should because that brings confusion. 
I think you can put brackets around it. You can put explanations and then let people draw their own conclusions. Yeah, the longer it, ending it, a mark, now I have a subjective issue okay. on this. This is subjective, mm -hmm. and I know it is. Now, I don't like it when people take it out. Now, my new American Standard 1995 has it. It's double bracketed yep. and everything else, but it's there. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> and so I do believe that Mark wrote it. I believe he had a shorter ending. There is some historical possibilities here. This is one of the unknowables. But the longer ending was quoted by, I believe, Ignatius okay. or, or the other one who quoted from it. And that, that gives a little bit of credibility. We're looking at about the third or fourth century here. Mm. And, uh, and, and so, you know, there, there is some evidence for it. The problem with Mark is that we don't have very much of Mark. That's part of the problem. Okay. And, uh, and, and a lot of it is just fragmentary and all that. So, but, but the, when, when the, my original calling of, of the Lord, after I felt like the Lord called me into ministry two weeks later, I'm sitting at First Assembly of God Church in Alvin, Texas. I'm all 15 years old. I'm concerned that I don't know what God wants to do in my life. I think, like, what is a 15-year-old worried about? Yeah. But uh, but I'm sitting there, and it's during the altar service. I'm in my seat, and, I, and the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. And by the way, the only Bible I knew existed was the King James. I didn't know anything about any other. Yeah. And so he spoke. He'll speak to you in the Bible you read, friend. Mm -hmm. He really will. And, uh, and 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 this is. I heard the voice from heaven said, "Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature." Okay. Now that's out of Mark 16 and the longer ending. Yes. Now. Whether Mark wrote it or not, the Spirit of God quoted from it. Yes. And so when I look at all the evidence and textual criticism, I lean toward that. And by the way, most textual critics will tell you that there's a far greater evidence for that being Theonostos than the woman that was caught in adultery. Okay. Okay. So, but also, I mean, if you look at the text itself, uh, speaking in other tongues, there are other references in the New Testament to that. Oh yeah, the book of Acts. We have five accounts of people being filled or with the Spirit or, or the Spirit coming upon them. casting out devils. Yeah, well, uh, Acts like Jesus 16. Himself was well, then the, uh, well, okay, I don't want to get into that story. we got to move on to our, our, our next, I think this is the last question here. So, okay, so yes, the Acts of the Apostles are, they still happen today, and we can do them. Absolutely, and we, we, we should be doing them, actually. Uh, what is the once saved, always saved? I'm not sure if I, I uh, wrote this proper. Uh, the once saved, always saved doctrine, the, we call it, uh, I think uh, Calvin called it perseverance of the saints. Yeah, perseverance of the saints. That okay, and uh, is, the, is it true, is this real, or is this a proper doctrine? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a qualified no. no. And, and the reason why I'm going to say that is because ultimately it will be God that judges the hearts, the secrets of the hearts of men. Okay. Uh, but, but I will say this, that, uh, you know, we have very, very strong warnings in Scripture as to the issue of apostasy. Okay. And by the way, if you study church history, uh, this was a major problem in around 300 AD when people were still being forced to say either Caesar is Lord or to be just totally destroyed, mm -hmm. uh, you know, by 
by, 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 you know, by a sword or by a wild animal or whatever. So you can imagine how people would just say, Caesar's Lord, you renounce your faith, you do your little pinch of incense in the fire, and you go free. And, uh, and, and the problem is that was considered apostasy. And by the way, that would be apostasy. Um, a total public renouncing of your faith. And then what they struggled with uh, was they have no biblical reference to can an apostate be saved. Okay. Uh, and, and so they weren't wrestling with the once saved, always saved issue. Uh, they saw the possibility of apostasy. But let's, let's think about scripture here. Uh, the, the letter, uh, the, the Hebrew letter is a letter written primarily to Jewish people that, that had a really big knowledge of the law. Not, it's, not a, it's not a letter written to Gentiles, even though we read it, but you almost have to read it through that lens. And, uh, and, and so there's all kinds of issues that this is a better covenant, better promises. Christ is superior to the law of Moses and, and on and on. And in that there's two warnings in Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 10. And the warning is on apostasy. And what that is, is anyone that would count the blood of the covenant as an unholy or unworthy thing and would go back to the law in order for their justification, that was considered a sin that there was no repentance for. So, so let, let, let's get this, let's kind of outline this a little bit. I'm saved, I believe in Jesus has died for my sins. I'm, you know, by, by oh, for you, I'm saved by grace. Uh, I believe in the blood, but then I say, no, 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 this isn't right. The, the blood isn't right, and I need to live by the law. That was considered apostasy. Okay. And, and, and you know, and that was, and, and, you know, there's different interpretations. It says, there, therefore, remains no sacrifice for their sin mm -hmm. when they do that. Now, what if they come to their senses and, you know, it, does it mean there's no sacrifice for their sin because they went back under that for justification? And if they come back out, then there is a sacrifice for their sins. That's a debatable issue. I would suggest not doing it and finding out. No, <laughs> uh, but 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 those yeah. are the warnings there. But are there warnings to Gentiles? Yes, there are. Okay. And uh, Second uh, Th Thessalonians chapter two. That's that that chapter on eschatology dealing with the man of sin and some of the signs that point toward him. He gives two signs. He said that that day will not come until there is a falling away first, and then the man of sin is revealed. Okay. So the falling away there. Uh, is the word uh, apostasia, and which just means a rebellion, a departure, um, and, uh, and is the term backsliding? Any of that? I mean, do well, we that's not really backsliding. There, that's just apostasy. apostasy. That's someone that just reject. falls away. They reject their faith. Reject they, the they, faith. They, they they go away. <clears throat> and uh, and then and then you've got the First Timothy four one. Mm -hmm. And that is the last days. Some will depart from, from the, the faith, faith. Uh, giving heed to, to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. And that word there is is kin to the word apostasia, epistasema. Uh, I think that's how you okay. say it. Uh, uh, I may not quite have that right because yeah. I'm not looking at it. Okay. But uh, but it, it means the same thing, a departure and a rebellion. And, and it's actually, that's an adjective there versus the other one is a noun. And they're, so they're, they're very closely related, but the, but the issue there is it it's 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 someone who apostatizes. 
Okay. You know, that's an English word. You apostatize. You, In other words, you, you rebel against your faith. Say, you this reject is not right. It. I'm going. Yeah. Now let's let's distinguish this for just a second. Uh, you know, all right, well let's let's think in terms of well you have well you have Tony Campello, which we consider an apostate. Yeah. We're not saying that to be ugly. That's just what he is. Um, he has rejected the historical faith that we see in the Word. Yeah. Um, and he wouldn't say that about himself, but you know, there. Well, anyway, uh, you know, Rob Bell is a, is an yeah. apostate. I mean, there's no other way to look at it. Uh, but what about the person who just backslides? I mean, what about the person who just gets discouraged? Maybe they went through some things and they quit going to church and they were just discouraged. That's not apostasy. No. That's not, that's not a person who's rejecting their faith. That's just someone that backslid. And, and back, the, the, you know, the Old Testament really talks about the backslider. You know, yeah. and uh, and well, so Israel was a backslider yeah, constantly. Yeah, yeah constantly. Bad God, God still works with Israel, yeah. and uh, and he, he does it today. So let's make a distinction between someone who backslides, someone who gets discouraged, mm -hmm. someone who maybe quits going to church, or maybe they start drinking, they start doing other things, and and or maybe they start cheating on their wife, and who. God knows all the kind of sin we can get into. Yeah. But 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 that's not apostasy. Mm -hmm. Apostasy is when I actively reject my faith. And I you know, and I just I just I don't believe just, Jesus. I don't believe Lord. it anymore and you tell other people that it's wrong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you start to see seeing them doing well, the, that. The, and, well, oh the guy that, that uh, this is interesting right here, the guy that wrote the book about dating, I think it's Josh somebody. What's his name? Josh? Oh, I can't think of his name. He wrote all those rules about dating and all of that, and people bought all his oh, books goodness. and stuff like that. He apologized to everybody what he wrote. He apologized to the gay community, and now he's out there marching with them. That's apostasy. Yeah. Yeah, that's so most people aren't doing that. I mean, so, and the reason I bring that out is I don't want anyone to go away thinking, man, I really want to, I, really want to, I love Jesus and I want to walk with God. And I well, but it, it gets to the point now, you know, yeah. and, and back in the day, you had Calvin and you had Arminius. Yes. Okay, and then they were back and forth. Calvin, he had, and as part of his doctrine, the perseverance of the saints. That's how they would have answered that. They said if somebody quits going to church and they quit serving God, that just means that they were never really born again. Uh, and that is an oversimplification of that issue. Uh, the truth of the matter is, yes, we should persevere. Okay. And, and, the, and, and, and once again, if the foundation is faulty, if there's anything that could happen to you right now that you would just quit going to church you would quit serving God, then you don't have a good foundation. No, you know, no. and and that's yeah, and it, it, that's a that's <laughs> yeah, it's not a good place to be at. But if if I'm over here worrying now, let me give you another scenario real quick here as we're uh, we're getting to the end here. Um, okay, I'm going about my Christian life. I know the rapture is going to happen at any moment, right? And the thing is, is that. Uh, what happens if I stub my toe, shout out a curse word, and then I drop dead? You're going to go in the rapture because we're not saved by our works. Oh, well, we're not talking about the rapture. If I drop dead at that point, uh, I'm going to go in the rapture. Okay, all right. All right. Okay. Yeah. No. I mean, so the grace of God is bigger than that. 
I mean, because if you think your performance is what's going to get you in heaven, well, I've already got good, bad news for you. You're lost. Right. I actually heard a man say this, but this was a Jehovah Witness. He, and he said it with such earnest. He said, I just hope I'm worthy when that time comes. He realized what a bondage that is. Now, while saying that, does it say we have the grace of God that we can just do whatever we want to? No, no it doesn't no, mean no. that. No. No, but but for, for the person that's over there worrying that, it, you know, if they stub their toe or they do something like that, that God's going to reject them. Now, the Bible does say that if you have time and you understand that you've sinned, that the Bible says, what is it, First John 1, 9, says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us yeah. our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeah, and that's what we do. When we do something wrong, we go to the Lord and we say, Lord, I missed it on that and I sinned against you and and I ask you to forgive me for it. Okay. And he cleanses. And you just move it. on. And but the thing here is, is that we have a lot of Christians today that if they they get into something and they say, "Oh man, then they're so down," that they they never think, get it right with God and keep pressing on, keep pressing on. And uh, uh, anyway, there's a term regeneration that we use. Regeneration. In other words, that's a process that a person goes, you give your heart to the Lord. And I, I think I, I, I wanna draw out from you another thing that you said as we're kind of winding up here. We are talking about how, uh, what, what was it the, one of the preachers, he would not, when he would be given these altar calls on, you know, whenever he preached the message, but he said, if you wanted to come back, if you wanna change your life and you wanna uh, give your life to Jesus, come back and talk to me on Monday. That was Spurgeon. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon, uh, there in uh, Chicago at the, uh, uh, the Metropolitan, I think, uh, Baptist Church. Okay. Uh, anyway, and that was one of the things that, uh, that he was famous for. And by the way, there were many people came to the Lord as a result of his ministry. Yes. Because he'd been in heaven Spurgeon. quite some time now. Yeah. But uh, in fact, in one of my Bible programs, they have, they have a little thing on Spurgeon every single day. I mean, he was called a prince of preachers. And, uh, and if that's what he would, he would do. He would say, hey, if you feel like the Holy Spirit is drawing you to salvation, then you come to my office on Monday. And people said, why? He said, because if the Holy Spirit's really drawing them, then it'll be as real on Monday as it is right now. And I don't want people having an emotional knee-jerk reaction to God. Yeah. And then later, they, Satan comes and says, it's not real. Mm -hmm. They'll know it's real when they come to my office on Monday. And by the way, he had people every Monday, scores of people oh, would yeah. come and, uh, and he would lead them to the Lord. And, uh, but that, that doesn't mean that we have to do it that way. Charles Finney didn't do it that way. No. But, but, but what, what, the, the point there is. Well, that, is was a sp that, 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 that really speaks towards emotionalism. It really speaks towards, you know, when I, when I start thinking about that, I start thinking about how when a person's a salesman, they say, you got to get them while, the, you know, while yeah. they're in the moment. Right. But you see, the thing is, is that when we're talking about salvation and, and you're living your life for God and that, that's going to have and go on for the rest of eternity. Yes. This is not something that just happens in an emotive state. You're crying, you're all emotional, yada, yada. And, but then Spurgeon, I, I mean, to me, I, I respected that more because he said, you have made an honest decision. Right. You have made a firm decision 
that you're going to follow God. Are you going to of course, follow he was also famous for saying that if I can get a man to think about his eternity for five minutes, he said I can win that man for Christ. And uh, and so you realize what he's saying. I've got to talk to him about heaven and hell. Yeah, I, I, it's just not all the the goodness of God, so to speak. It's it's the reality of where we're going to spend eternity. And if we if we reject Christ, if we reject His Lordship, then that is exactly where we'll go. And it's not that God wants that, but that's what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. So, all righty. Well, we we have done it. We we dealt with six questions here. We went into different subject matter, everything from eschatology to Acts of the Apostles to gifts of the Spirit to uh, the Jewish traditions and the Jewish customs, uh, the Bible, the formulation of the Bible, all these different types of things. Now, um, of course, we, we did get more questions, by the way, that we will deal with that. And yeah, we got a uh, Ten Commandment question, but we don't have time to get to that. Oh yeah, the Ten Commandments. Yeah, question. the Ten Commandments. Uh, yeah, uh, are, if, if, well, the, the issue is are. Are the Ten Commandments restated in, in the, the New, uh, Testament. New Testament? And if so, are there specific references? I came loaded for bear. I thought. It was oh, you, you're just yeah. Well, I, I think it. we've exhausted our yeah. hour and <laughs> seven minutes. Okay. Anyway, yeah, we do. Sometimes we go over during the uh, podcast. But okay, so for those people that are listening to the podcast, what I want to what I want to say to you is is that we that we're going to continue. I think, and within our format within the podcast now and deal with some questions that we have and then that way it'll help it actually adds to the to the listening experience you can learn more and we can draw, draw out the learning there um, next week now next week we're going to go uh, we're going to videotape this thing aren't yes we? yes we're going to have our podcast in my office and uh but we'll also be uh uh, yeah, we're going to be filming it on Facebook, and we may actually be putting that putting on, it on uh, YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, so we can scare the little children off. Yes. And, uh, but anyway, we're going to go ahead and, and do that. Uh, one thing I do want to let you know, and I'll announce that here, and I might as well do it both ways. Um, we're looking at the end of September, I think, and we're going to take a look at those dates and kind of, kind of, kind of finalize that we're projecting. We're going to do another seminar. And we're going to continue to do these seminars as time goes on uh, with the Back to Basics series. And I believe the next one that we're going to deal with is Anatomy of a Christian. What makes up a Christian? How, I mean, when we're talking about anatomy, your mouth. How should you be talking? Your mind, what you should be thinking. Your eyes, what they should be looking at, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to get into that. And hopefully by then I'll have the study guide ready for that. But we're going to do another one of these seminars here because this draws out learning. This is the thing that we want to do is we want to continue to, uh, to, uh, to present uh, information uh, that actually deals with uh, a person's foundation and their basic teachings so that they can stand on God. And a lot of people have questions out there, folks. There's a lot of there's a lot of doctrines that are people are saying, you know, and you hear this evangelist said this in the heat of the moment or what have you, and you're over there going, well, is that true? Well, we, we need to take it to and the Bible's the my our old theology teacher used to say that this Bible here is the ruler. 
This is a ruler that we measure every word that is being said, every experience that we have. It needs to be in agreement with this word. And if it's not in agreement, then the Bible wins out. And because there, like we talked about a little bit, there's a, there's a lot of emotion out there. Yes. And there's a lot of spur of the moment things happening. And and I'm gonna tell you what, and we deal with like like we did over the last three um, podcasts. We dealt with wokeism. We talked about wokeism and all that uh, coming to the what 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 the basic foundation of wokeism is is hatred, which is very emotional. Which is very emotional. And the thing is, is that in the last one, I, what I really loved in the last one that we did, we were able to get a hold of clips of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and play them about his dream. And the last one it was called Killing the Dream, in that this critical race theory uh, was, is being used to really kind of do away with the dream that Martin Luther King Jr. had because he, he, he had visions of, uh, of where um, people of all colors and all races could sit down together and not have to have segregation and separate your bathrooms and sit in the back of the bus and all that. And he had that dream, but then when critical race theory comes in, these leaders of them are saying, well, Martin Luther King was naive. He didn't know what he was talking about. He didn't realize that racism is baked into everything that you see around you. And we deal with that subject. And you're going, and whoa, it, yeah, but and let me, download it. Well, <laughs> let me just say this, and, and because I, I think there could be a perception of a podcast. I mean, I, we're recording this one live, I get it. But when we're in the office, we've had the Spirit of God come in there. Oh, yeah. And it's, it, it's, it's been amazing. It, it, it mm -hmm. just, and sometimes somebody just can't even talk, and so somebody else has to hold it. Yeah. He don't come all over <laughs> you. We'll be I, I remember what I said. <laughs> Point at the other person. You go, so, go, go, go. Yeah, it, it can be a very spiritual experience. Yes. And uh, and so you know, and we 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 look forward to that. That doesn't happen yeah. every one, but yeah. I must. This last one. Oh my! Yeah, it, it was something else, and, and yeah. you know, and not everybody in audio can see that, and they can, and, and all that. But but man, it, it is it is amazing, uh, and and, I, and that and what that is that that's the anointing of the Spirit of God. Yeah, and so what we believe is that when we're doing these things. We're not just doing them to do them. We're doing it to fulfill the Great Commission to go into all nations, all the world. Mm -hmm and preach the gospel, make disciples, go into every ethnic group. And we're so excited every time we go somewhere else outside the United States. Yeah. Because we're reaching somebody. Man, you know, I'm over there in Belgium and Sweden and now Canada. And, and it's you know, humbling. And you see, it is growing, and we're going to we're going to reach out there, and we're uh, we're doing things, and we continue to uh, to network, we keep, continue to grow, and. Um, yeah, that's why we're doing it. We're not, you know, Pastor and I are not bored with life and we needed to figure out something to do. Not that we needed something else to do. No. We already have a lot of things to do. No. Uh, yeah, we have plenty to do. <laughs> but the thing is, is that there is a call, there is a need for this. And that's why we're doing it. 
And by the way, when we're talking about our podcast and we'll end with this, mm -hmm. you cannot even begin to understand how much prep time that, uh, that we go and do. Even after we've centered on what we do and each one of us will do our individual study, we'll sometimes take an hour to an hour and a half to go through everything before we ever start recording just to make sure that we're on the same page. Oh, yeah. And oh, then yeah. we do the hour podcast. Broadside you with a question or two. Yeah, you know, that's what we don't want to do to each yeah. other. Ask him something like, why? What? What? Oh, what? <laughs> so, so there's 10 minutes of silence on the thing, you know. So, all righty, let's go ahead. I'm going to wind up this uh, recording and uh, the, this podcast here. Uh, we can continue on. We're going to uh, wind up the service here just in a few minutes. But uh, podcast people out there in, in that you're listening to this, be back next week. Listen, we are going to, I think we're dealing with the subject of abortion next week or the, what's going on. I, I believe we are. Okay. And uh, what's going on in this country was just amazing uh, what's happening. And I tell you what, it's like you, they just unleashed the demons of hell on, in this country. But anyway, we'll... We'll deal, we'll deal with that next week. Uh, and uh, thank you for tuning into the podcast. Um, uh, you know, come go to Facebook. If you're on Facebook and you haven't liked our page, like our page so that you're getting this uh, feed every time that we release a new podcast. Tell somebody else about it. And then have them tell somebody else so that we can get more people because we want this to go around and we're bringing the word of God and we wanted to spread to those uh, in where, where they go within our, our world. And God bless you all. Okay, thank you for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. God bless you.